Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Breaking news. Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From the beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code UNFILTERED20 for 20% off and free shipping. It's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard. Say say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. That's right, face grooming doesn't need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency. That brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They have created four dermatologically tested formulations for your post-trim care. First, there is the Beard Shampoo and Conditioner. You need to remember all your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head. That's why the kit has made shampoo and conditioner specially designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health. Next, the kit has Manscaped's Beard Oil, an essential piece for your main facial accessory. No one wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath, while adding a little shimmer and shine, making your look extra fine. Tap off the kit with the Beard Bomb, a uh, pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code UNFILTERED20. Manscaped Beer Hedger. One stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 320. I'm your host, Blaine Putvay, and I am going solo on this episode uh matt is busy working and treg is running around ottawa uh also working and that's that's fine that 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 just means that we're out earning our key uh except for me because i'm not working today um but i am here to bring you an episode so this episode, I'll talk a little bit about some of the injury concerns that are go- that are facing the Canadians, um, a little bit about the game uh, against the Maple Leafs, and 
talk a little bit about the Canadians' future, specifically starting at the deadline. Uh, it's going to be a short show because I'm on my own. Not a lot of chirping going on. Uh, so why don't we just dive right in and I'll start with Jack Eye. So our Jack Eye was added to the, uh, the laundry list of injuries and he is off to see a specialist. Um, the Canadians released yesterday that he's going to see the specialist uh, sometime this week and the assessment for his future will be ascertained. Now, it sounds ominous, but it just means will they need surgery? Will they not? To me, it sounds like a season is done and, and that's fine. Uh, he's established himself as a legitimate NHL player. He brings an aspect of the game that the Canadians have desperately needed for a long time. And that's an intimidation factor, but brought with the ability to actually play the game, to impact the game in positive ways uh, on the scoreboard with solid skating, good passing. He he was tied for the lead in uh, rookie goals for uh, defensemen when he, when he got hurt. Um, so he's not a goon. He's not a, just an enforcer. He's a legitimate NHL player, and he has proven that this year. So if he requires some kind of a surgery, like Cole Caulfield has, as long as he comes back next season completely recovered, ready to go, then it's not that big of an issue for the Canadians who, let's be honest, the season, it's, it's, it's good put. Uh, this team is more than likely facing a top five pick. I know at the moment uh, it is Sunday the 19th, and the Canadians are currently around seventh last, but they're only a couple of points up on Vancouver. There's several uh, or in Arizona as well. And the Canadians are starting to slide. Now that has a lot to do with all the injuries. Uh, granted, uh, Drouin has come back and he's playing very well. And I'm going to talk a little bit about him later on when it comes to the deadline. But for the most part, the Canadians are facing a ton of injury problems. Uh, uh, there was a graphic in the game against Toronto just on sa Saturday night showing the number of games played by a rookie defenseman by the Canadians. It was at uh, 205 or 208. The next closest team was Columbus with 98. So they're more than twice as many games for a rookie. And which it's not surprising considering that the Canadians have played five rookies in a game at several points throughout the season. So the, uh, the injury concerns will continue. And for the Canadians to really start to move their way out of the rebuild, they're going to have to find a way to mitigate or avoid the number of injuries they've they've had over the last couple of seasons. There's they're setting NHL records for man games lost year over year, and that cannot be sustained if this team wants to become a legitimate playoff contending team, even a cup contending team. So the more they do to 
mitigate that or to fix that, I think will go a lot further than making big fancy trades. We'll get to the trades in a moment, but I'm going to go to the game on Saturday night. The Canadians were in Toronto visiting the Leafs, a team that has not beaten the Canadians all season long. Despite the fact that they are, I mean, they're in the view of their own fan base, one of the greatest teams in the league. They should easily be wiping the floor with the Canadians all year long. Up until now, up until this weekend, they hadn't. However, last night, um, they kind of did. Now, the lineup the Canadians iced had a couple of really good NHL players and then some rookies and a whole bunch of AHL players. Jake Allen did his best to keep the team in, but the Leafs, they had a full healthy roster. They had just picked up a new pl- uh, two new players, and Achari and uh, O'Reilly, who really, really, really helped solidify depth on the forward core for the Leafs. Their defense isn't heavy, but they're they're mobile, and it's a team that they they play a regular season type of game where it's constantly moving the puck up, moving the puck up. The Canadians don't have the team to stop that. Uh, there are certain players that could, there are certain players that compete, but overall they were outmatched skill wise as Toronto just simply had more. Um, it's not for a lack of effort. The Canadians, they, they provided great work ethic. They put in the effort. It was just the offensive power and prowess of the top stars for the Leafs came out to shine. Uh, their top line scored three goals. Their second line scored a couple of goals. The power play, their power play, which is, you look at their lineup, it should be one of the best in the league, somehow isn't, but it produced. Um, I mean, the Canadians and the Laval Rocket players that were on the Canadians lineup really did try their absolute best to uh, keep up and to compete. And at points throughout the game, they did. Now, looking at the Canadians' defense, uh, overall, they, I mean, yeah, they got lit up for six goals, but when you watch the game in isolation the future doesn't look that bad yes jack eyes out injured um but and Gooley as well but uh, harris is there he looked pretty good uh and baron looked very good paired up with matheson um while well, the Canadians do have a lot of very good young defensemen. They don't have that that number one, that top pair guy. Now, Gooley could play on a top pair, and we've talked about this in previous episodes. But he's not someone that could be that number one linchpin defenseman. He's more of a guy who can play the number two role in support of that guy. Um 
He can play any game you want him to play. He can play for a lot of minutes in any situation. And that is that is a very, very good skill to have. But he's not someone that's going to change the face of a game. So once the Canadians find someone like that, Gooley is the kind of guy that you want with them. Uh, and, and then you look at the game last night against the Leafs. And I spoke of Barron. And he is, he's doing very well recently, especially paired with Matheson. Um, from the Super Bowl weekend to this game, uh, the this pairing is the only Canadians defensive pairing that has a positive expected goals for rate. They're above 50%, slightly. Uh, they've got the highest expected goals for over 60 and one of the lowest expected goals against over 60 as a pairing for the Canadians. Uh, if you want to double check, check out Money Puck. You can, you can break it down. But for the most part, that pairing, it's, it's mobile. They, it, it has a very good transitional style. Matheson is by far the top defenseman on this team, and he's played extremely well when he has played this year. And Barron is slowly coming along. Uh, he had a tough start to the year, but now we're seeing more from him. Yeah, he had a couple of minor missteps that got uh, highlighted because the Leafs have the type of team that can, uh, can capitalize on little errors like that because of their speed and the skill set that some of their forwards have. Well, we're talking about forwards that are making upwards of eight nine, 10, 11 million dollars each, which really should put them in the upper tiers of the NHL. And they should be taking advantage of a rookie defenseman on slight minor miscalculations, positioning wise, or uh, a bouncing puck, you know, little things like that. Uh, Harvey Pinard, he played a very solid game. Him and Suzuki's line specifically, uh, they were the they were the one Canadian line, a Canadian's line that I felt really, really competed every shift. They were they were capable of pushback. Anderson scored the first goal of the game, and he continued his play as a uh, Leafs killer. Suzuki, he made a lot of really, really. Sp- solid defensive plays and he he was very creative in the in the offensive zone it just didn't translate to a lot of scoring uh Harvey Pinard continued his solid play he was effective in a north-south kind of game he he loves to play in the middle between the face-off dots especially in the offensive zone and Suzuki and he and him have a pretty good chemistry where Suzuki's capable of getting him pucks to that area. It didn't turn out very well for the team overall, but you can see that there's there's something there and for the remainder of the season I think that that's a, a good a good matching. Um, we'll see what happens uh, into next season. I know Harvey Pennard's numbers, look great. I don't believe that they're one of those sustainable types. Like he's got a, 
a high percentage shooting uh, for shooting. And where he's shooting from, he should have a higher percentage considering he doesn't have a lot of shots, but the ones he does take are within a few feet of the net, which should up his percentage because there are a lot of high danger chance scoring percentage plays. Um, So into next season, I don't see him as a top six. He might earn himself a top nine role depending on who's traded out, who's kept in, uh, who's drafted, who he's going to have to earn a spot in that top nine come training camp. Now on the trading, moving on to the deadline, just like last season, there's a ton of injuries. Uh, Jeff Merrick and uh, Eric Engels both feel that the Canadians aren't really going to do a lot. But as I just said, Last year, they had a ton of injuries. This year, they have a ton of injuries. Last year, Hughes was able to make a couple of really, really big moves that helped step the Canadians forward in this rebuild. Can he do that again? Maybe. I mean, he's still going to have to rely on players coming back. But... There are some that are under contract or that that might generate interest. So last trade deadline, uh, Arturi Lekkinen was a player that for all the press releases, anytime he was questioned about it, Hughes said, no, I don't want to trade him. Uh, he's, we like him. Essentially, that was a player that unless you gave them exactly what they wanted, the Canadians were not going to move them. And at the 11th hour, Colorado did. And they ended up, the Canadians end up with Barron, who we see slowly turning into a second pairing defender and a pick. Uh, if a GM matches the requests or the prices that Hughes sets, he's going to make a deal. Now, Injuries are making it harder on Hughes to make a top value trade. But you look at what the Canadians have. So Drew, I mentioned earlier, he's playing extremely well. I don't think the Canadians can get much for him, but he's playing well enough to get GMs to notice him. Does that mean the Canadians are going to get anything more than a fifth round pick? Probably not. Dadanoff. Same thing. He's starting to play a little bit better. And again, GMs are probably going to look at it. And these these guys are, you know, third or fourth options. If everybody, if they miss out on everybody else, then they'll call, say, hey, we could use a guy like this. You eat 50%, we'll give you a fifth or a sixth round pick. That's that's what Dadanov and Drouin are in this trade deadline for the Canadians. It's not going to do much for the Habs. Other than open up more, uh, more roster spots, which I'm going to be honest, I think the Canadians are better off holding on to them, just so they don't have to deplete Laval because they want players to go back to the Rocket, who are in a playoff spot right now for the AHL. So if they can get 
that team into the playoffs. They can move all their rookies back down. They can get meaningful games. So if they have to trade these guys and then they pull up a few more players from Laval, maybe Laval misses. So it's it's a very delicate balance. On that, though, one player who is really peaking at this point, he's really showing his value, is Anderson. Now, analytic-wise, he's not a, he's not a darling by any stretch. But he is the type of player that NHL GMs salivate over. He's a north-south skater. He's a power forward. And he is someone that could wear your team down. You look at what Anderson did against the Leafs in the last playoff run for the Canadians. You look at what he did for Columbus the year before, um, where they were, where Columbus was able to beat down the Maple Leafs yet again. So he's he's someone that NHL GMs are going to try and get. Now, is a first really the only thing that that's missing no the canadians are going to want a package but a 2023 first is definitely part of that and at this point anderson may be their best bet at getting a third 2023 pick monahan may be back in time maybe the canadians can get a conditional first or even a second uh edmondson who knows it's starting to get really close to that deadline. We're talking a week away. So a week, week and a half. So there's, there's not a lot of time left, not a lot of games left. But I would not dismiss Hughes out of hand. Uh, it, I, I mean, clearly there's a lot, there's, they don't have the biggest pieces to move. Not like they did with Toffoli and all the likes last year, but Hughes does have something that a lot of teams desperately need, and that's cap space using the LTIR. Uh, he could play monkey in the middle and pick up a few extra things. So by he eats some cap as a third party in a trade, gets a fourth round pick or a third round pick or something along those lines. And there's nothing stopping him from going out and being a buyer. There are teams that are looking to move uh, uh, young players out so they can get something. Hughes can go pick up some of these guys. He can, he can surprise us. He did last year. He might do it again. Do I expect it? Not really, but it's possible. Um, so that's pretty much it for this episode. I kind of rambled on because I was alone. Uh, I just want to make sure that anybody who's still listening, uh, go check out everything that we put out on uh, the Hockey Writers. Uh, we are on Cryer Media now. So you go check out Cryer, uh, Cryer.co. Uh, we've got some blog posts. There's a lot of podcasts there. There's some really good content. Uh, otherwise and before i leave i want everyone to go check out habs eyes on the prize uh, they have a patreon there's a link in their website 
Uh, they're going to be going fully independent at the end of March, and they're going to need some help to find a new, to afford a new host for their website and to continue putting out the the content that they that they have. I don't work at Habs Eyes on the Prize. I never have, but the the Montreal Canadiens community online is better for having them. They've provided a ton of great content. They're very good, very intelligent people that work at that site. Uh, I have befriended a few. And I'm going to be honest, I love everything they do. So I'm going to try and do my best to help them. If you can, go ahead. If you can't, share a Patreon link, uh, click on their content, check it out course go check out mine and on the hockey writers and recruits and inquire but let's support them because they have given the haves community online uh, a really in-depth quality coverage and they're they're just good people so do what we can to help them out uh and for those listening i want to thank you for listening I want to thank you for supporting this podcast. Uh, we are trying to make this grow as much as we can. So let everybody know about it. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.